Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. First Wednesday, I don't know if you recognize the pictures on the screen. That's my brother-in-law and my sister, my beautiful sister, Amy. So they're going to be ministering March 7th. Yeah, have a great time. It's going to be awesome. And uh, they're going to do, we've been on a relationship series, so on March the 7th, first Wednesday, they're going to do a relationship message. They're both going to be speaking, and so I just want you to know my sister cannot preach both my brother and I, just want to let you know that. So uh, it's going to be a great time. Come on out, bring somebody with you. A lot of great things happening. Um, and let's just get ready for the word. One more thing, I'm going to have you go ahead and turn to Song of Solomon, chapter 1. I uh, want to let you know, you know, here at Tree of Life, kind of the way we operate, we have a board of elders who are responsible for our spiritual undergirding. They, they strengthen us spiritually through prayer, through service, pastoral care, things of that sort. And then we have a group of uh, people that help manage and oversee the resources, the finances, our trustees. And so really early on Monday morning, we had one of our trustees, longtime Tree of Lifer, been a part of. It, Scott Lochte graduated to heaven. He is actually uh, doing better than we are today, right? Amen. And so, uh, what up, dear brother? Been a part of this church for a long time, served everywhere. His family, um, his kids are all involved in different areas of ministry. Um, so, our heart goes out to them. It's that bittersweet, that victory, ultimate victory for a believer. Amen. To be in the presence of the Lord, um, but knowing that we live life forward here on the planet because there's still a mission that we're on. So, just encourage you to say some prayers for the family. Um, he's such a great, uh, it's served in such a great capacity as a trustee. I just appreciated his wisdom and his faith coming in and helping oversee that part of our ministry here. And so today at five, for those who know him, we're going to have a, a memorial service. It's actually a celebration of life. Amen. Because for a believer, there is no death. It's just you go from this place to heaven and you graduate and have life as God always intended. And so we're going to celebrate that today at five here. So I want to share that with you as you can pray for the family and the Tree of Life family. Amen. Song of Solomon or Song Song of Songs, depending how your translation says, chapter 1, verse 1 is our foundational scripture. Let me just go over it again. It says, Solomon's Song of Songs. Actually, 1 Kings says he wrote 1,005 songs, and basically this is saying this is the best. Uh, Solomon's known for just this great wisdom God bestowed upon him, and so out of his great wisdom, he wrote this book, which he calls, it's the best of the songs, of anything I've written, and it's on relationships. It's on marriage, dating, and sex. And so it's important for us to look into this, especially because the world is talking about this. And so the church needs to have a voice, amen, when it comes to relationships, sex, and dating, uh, because the locker room has a voice, the school has a voice, TV has a voice, music, movies, you name it, and the voices that are speaking that are outside the, the, the principles of God's word are incorrect, perverted voices. They're not going to lead you as God intended. And so we need to hear God's voice. Goes on to say in verse two, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth for your love is more delightful than wine. Pleasing is the fragrance of your perfumes. Your name is like perfume poured out. No wonder everybody loves you. And basically it's not talking necessarily about a physical romantic love. They're just basically saying, Solomon, you love like God loves. You know how a person is supposed to love. And because of how you love people, you have a reputation, your name, your reputation, you're known for the way that you love people. Everyone wants to be around you, everyone wants to be like you, everyone wants to be a part of what you're doing. And oh, that, could that be said about us as individuals and as a church? We want to love like God loves, amen? 
We need to be people that love like God's love. They all know who we belong to because of great love or our great love. And so I just want to encourage you when you read this, we'll obviously look at specific things relationally, et cetera. But understand, this is also teaching us how to love like God loves. And that should be the goal of every believer. And so, um, as I said, we've been in this series. This is week four. We have one more. We'll wrap it up next week. And so we are taking a journey through the eight chapters of the Song of Songs or Song of Solomon. And it takes us on their relationship beginning with attraction. Just real quick, week one, we talked about what God says is attractive or an order of attraction, which is different than the world. The world says physical is the thing that's about attraction first. God says spiritual, that we're supposed to be spiritually attractive by how we love God. And we all in this room want a godly man or a godly woman. So that's what should be our number one attraction, how they love God, because how they love God is how they'll love you. And so, and then how they'll love people. Secondly, emotionally, that we have relationships today that are not based on friendship. They're based on physical things, they're based on convenience, they're based on other things. So God says you need to, number one, the order of attraction, spiritual, emotional, and then lastly would be physical. The world flips it, and so it always works better God's way. Uh, week two, we talked about biblical courting. I'm gonna use that word, courting, because my, my kids think I'm old school anyway, so courting. And so, uh, actually dating is a newer concept. It's not biblical courting. The world changed it because it didn't line up with the way the world felt it should operate. But can I tell you, when God writes something, he writes it right the first time. It doesn't need to be changed. And can I tell you also, it hasn't been working the world's way. So God had specific principles and, and ways to operate in developing that relationship from attraction then to dating. And then last week, we talked about the honeymoon night. That was a really kind of steamy one there. You can go back and watch it online if you missed that. I would encourage the parents, if you're a teenager, even if they were in here, that you find time to sit down, uh, first of all, by yourself and watch that again, and then take the live notes and then watch it with your teen and go over it as talking points. Because again, we need to make sure that we are educating, speaking the lives of our kids. It's not being talked about at home the way it should, and it's definitely not being talked about in church the way it should. And so the church and the home have been silent for too long. And so I want to encourage you to get uh, that information and go back again, watch the archives and sit down with your teenagers and give them the right. Because make no mistake about it, the world is talking to them. People are talking to them. The playground's talking to them. The ball team's talking to them. And if you think that the world's talking to them while they're just like hearing this much, I promise you they're actually hearing this much. It's always more than you ever think it is. So take the initiative, take the lead in that. And then we uh, spent some time talking about that. And let me also say this. Um, God created sex not just for procreation, but really for enjoyment, but, but also because he meant it to be the strongest bond ever between a man and a woman. And I, and I want to say this. It only works in his context or in his design. And he designed it to be between a man and a woman in the context of marriage. And so if you're looking for something um, operating in that a- activity and all that outside of God's boundaries, you're not going to get what he intended out of it. Can I, can I say it that way? And I think that's the fallacy that a lot of people have, that they're going to try and apply these principles or try and do this. If it's not in his context, you're not going to gain what he intended for you to gain from it. So um, just something to know there. Okay, let's go ahead and look at chapter five, walking it out. And now the honeymoon's over. 
<laughs> At some point in time, that honeymoon ends and the honeymoon's over and we see their first flat fight. We're going to talk about conflict, fighting fair. And so starting with chapter five, verse two says this, I slept, this is her talking, I slept but my heart was awake. And she's saying, I mean, I'm in bed sleeping, but I'm not really sleeping. I mean, I'm kind of restless. I'm, I'm kind of in and out. I'm sleeping good. I, I can't really sleep. I'm a little frustrated. I'm thinking about other things. And basically what's happening here is he's not at home. He's not there yet. He hasn't come home yet. And she's waited up and now she's gone to bed, but she's not really sleeping. And so she's been thinking about it and it's kind of making her mad. Where's he at? What's he doing? Why isn't he at home yet? I mean, is he out with the guards? Is he out with his buddies at the, I don't know, the stables, checking on the horses? I don't know what they did back then. Where's he, where's he at? Who's he hanging out with? What is he doing? And can I tell you that every relationship has conflict. We start seeing this, the first conflict now start to unfold here, and we all have conflict. And I know there's people who say, well, my wife and I never fight. Can I say, will you pray for me? <laughs> and, uh, or maybe I'll pray for you. Someone's not being honest in that relationship. I'm not really sure here. But in our humanity, because there's no perfect people in a perfect relationship, that there is conflict. And it's not the sense that we're trying to avoid conflict. I believe that we, we can do better at that, but it's when we find ourselves in conflict that we handle it the right way. We handle it the godly way, amen? And so we'll find some principles in this story that will help us handle conflict the right way. The goal is to learn how to fight fair, if we can say it that way. And again, I, you know, we, we have conflict, Jessamy and I, we fight. And it, you know, this week leading up to this message, it's, already, it's always interesting every time that, that there's a series laid on my heart, I tell her, here's what we're gonna do in this series. It's like, then we need to prepare. <laughs> We're going to teach a series on love and relationship and sex and all that. And then we're going to talk about fighting. And guess what the week has been like? We're, we're, we're learning this now so I can teach it better, right? <laughs> I, don't know what, I don't know what our problem is. But anyways, no, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Boy, we're in for it now on the way home. So, but it's just like, it's been two weeks. It's just been a week of just real tense. And the enemy, you know, when, when we're going to teach on healing, I mean, we're taking vitamins and we're, you know, we're, we're eating right then. And we're diffusing essential oil, whatever, you know. It's like, because we know the enemy's going to attack. And we're teaching on finances. We're making sure the oil's changed. The tires are good. You know, the washing machine's running right. It's, just, it's the way it is. When you step out that next level in God, man, the enemy just comes after you. It's trying to just derail you. In fact, we've had some interesting times this week. And, and at one point, just even had her on just on her hands and knees and you know the truth is she was looking under the bed saying come out of there Don and fight like a man come out of there you big chicken <laughs> the funny thing is some of you don't know whether you should laugh or not it's like <laughs> is that is he serious is he serious <laughs> I don't know Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Hey, but we're just like you trying to walk out the same word and trusting on God and the word is our standard. And I want to encourage you today that we just take it a day at a time and we let our past be our past. Let our yesterdays be our yesterday. Amen. And let's start fresh today and let's apply the things today and make better choices. Jesus took care of our yesterdays and let's leave them with him. And um, but again, the truth is that there is conflict and we all find those times that we find ourselves in, in that and we, and we fight and and we need to know how to walk through that. And it's the scripture again here, she's talking about him here and he's not here and I don't know where he's at. I'm frustrated. Listen, my beloved is knocking at the door. So he shows up, he's knocking at the door and he's saying, open to me, my sister, my darling. Listen to what he's saying here. My dove, my flawless one. He knows he's in trouble. Come on. 
Honey, come on, sweetheart, the one who I love more than anything else, and I love you, and oh, I know I'm late, and I should have been home a long time ago, but you're so wonderful like a dove and gentle. My head is drenched with dew, my hair with the dampness of the night. This means he's been out to all hours of the night, so he's been out late into the night. Verse three says this, I've taken off my robe. That's her response now. I've taken off my robe. Must I put it on again? I've washed my feet. Must I soil them again? And basically that's all Hebrew for, I got a headache, no way, all right? It's like, no, she's shutting them down. That's Hebrew for, I'm shutting you down right now. I found it very interesting though that, you know, I've already washed my feet. <laughs> that was an interesting one to me, but oh, apparently all knew me. Okay, all right, so... Uh, little insight into my life. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so my beloved thrust his hand. Now listen to this for a second. My beloved thrust his hand through the latch opening. And my heart began to pound for him. Now, if you study this out, when you study this rather, you'll see a couple different trains of thought on this. Some will say that she's already kind of rejected him. And then he's just kind of reaching his hand through the door and saying like, come on, let me in. Or this is your last chance. Come on. Or, and some would say, that he's so angry that he just kind of put his fist through the door. He just punched his fist through there. I don't know. I haven't really settled on a side yet. I see it both ways. I don't think it really matters. I think the point is still that there's some conflict here, that, that they need to walk out a, a few things, get some things resolved. And so uh, in verse 4, you know, nonetheless, there's some frustration there on, on his side or her side. Goes on to say this then, I rose to open for my beloved and my hands dripped with myrrh. Basically, she changed her mind. So she's getting ready. My hands dripped with myrrh. My fingers were flowing myrrh. So I want to smell nice. I'm kind of getting ready. On the handles, I put myrrh on the handles of the bolt, kind of like an invitation uh, to him. It's like, okay, I've changed my mind. Yeah, come on in. And uh, verse six says, I opened for my beloved, but my beloved had left. He wasn't there. He was gone. My heart sank at his departure. I looked for him but did not find him. I called but he did not answer. He's been mad. He got mad and left. Their first fight. Now I'm convinced that we all find ourselves in this place. And I want to help all of us, myself included, uh, in these times. And let me start with talking to you for just a minute before we get back into the passage about three phases of a marriage relationship. Let's take a look at that real quick. Phase one, number one is the honeymoon phase. Married, everything's great. They're wonderful. They're perfect. This is awesome. I love this. But if you study that word honeymoon, it's interesting when you break that down. Honey meaning sweet. And moon really speaks to 29.5 days of a moon or lunar cycle. So it's basically saying, man, it's been a sweet 30 days. <laughs> it's been a sweet month. But that's over now. I mean, it's like, it doesn't last forever. And so at some point in time, I don't want to say reality sets in, but the honeymoon is over, and all of a sudden, the, the, the perfect, amazing, you could do no wrong has now changed. The second phase is this, the disillusionment phase. Disillusionment phase. It's like, who are you now? I mean, the honeymoon is over. Who is this next to me? They didn't tell me these things in premarital. I mean, I was going to marry for life, but I didn't know this was going to happen this way, turn out this way. It's when you went to bed last night with Wonder Woman, and you woke up wondering who that woman is right next to you. It's like, whoa, what in the world happened? <clears throat> you weren't acting like this when we were dating. You weren't talking to me like this when we were dating. We just got married. This is a delu delusion, disillusionment, <laughs> delusional. This is a delusional moment too, right? <laughs> disillusionment. So listen, let me say this. I want you to hear this because most relationships never survive this second phase. And here's why. Because I believe when we're disillusioned, we have another illusion. And that is... We're disillusioned with the person we're with, so we have, therefore, this other illusion about the perfect one out there somewhere. 
And so because of our disillusionment or perhaps disappointment, this is my thought, then all of a sudden we get the illusion of there must be somebody better. Can I tell you, nobody's perfect. Nobody, nobody's perfect. I'm not perfect, you're not perfect, we're not perfect. So we can't buy into this disillusionment phase. We need to learn to push through. It's an illusion that there's somebody perfect out there for you. And so I just wanna encourage you guys that we need to push through this phase right here. And the only way we'll be able to have a real relationship is to get past the illusion and make a commitment to the relationship. We commit to the relationship. That's the third phase, commitment. And so you'll see in here this word a lot next week. Next week we're gonna talk about really taking the relationship to another level with covenant and another depth. And the only way this couple was able to make it through the conflict was commitment. And really in our society today, commitment's a forgotten word. I mean, it's so easy to leave things and change. If you don't like it, you do something else. If you don't like this job, quick, gonna find another one. Don't like this church, yeah, there's all kinds of churches everywhere can find another. Don't like this friendship, don't like this relationship. It's just, you know, we've been trained, society's trained us and taught us that if you just don't like it, hey, there's more fish in the sea, there's something else out there for you. But that's a forgotten word is commitment. We'll talk about that more again next week. Um, honestly, what they did right, as we'll learn here, is they made some decisions ahead of time. So in the midst of a fight is not the time to start, you know, coming up with some ideas and decisions. You need to go into it having made some pre-fight decisions. That's what I'm going to give you today. In this passage of scripture, we'll find some pre-fight decisions that I believe will help us handle it God's way. And uh, the simple truth today is we need to make some choices ahead of time that will help navigate, help us navigate the emotion because choices lead, feelings follow. The reality is we're in a response mode a lot of times or an emotional response mode in the midst of conflict and we typically don't make positive or healthy choices. But if we come together and we can, we're gonna give you some tools today and make some pre-fight decisions, then when we find ourselves in those moments, we can navigate it in a godly way. And I'm just gonna talk about the marriage relationship. Well, I am, but pre-fight planning or whatever is not just for you and your spouse. Um, I'd make some pre-fight decisions or or plans when you're, uh, you engage in conflict with your kids, whatever age they are, your friendships, your peers, uh, your family. I think in every relationship you're in that there needs to be some things you've settled in your heart before they happen because believe me, they will happen. That's what the enemy does. That's the world that we live in today and that's part of our humanity operating. So in, the text, in this text, we'll see three pre-fight decisions this couple makes and that At the end of this, we'll see because of the decisions they made and how they navigated it in a godly way, all the friends and celebrate and throw a big party on how well they've walked it. Well done, good job. Nobody navigates conflict like that. That's awesome, and they throw a big party for them. So, okay, I'm gonna remind you right now before we launch out into this is the ground rules. It's important, every week, I'm gonna remind you, ground rules, don't elbow your neighbor. This is for you, right? This is you seeing it for you. And I'm like, "Uh uh-huh, and you know, throw the old elbow or like you're writing a point down and then pointing to it on your paper, right? It's like, don't do that. Go home, say, did you hear that? Did you hear what pastor said? That was for you. Everyone, this is for all of us, right? Everyone, this is for all of us. Did I miss something? This is for all of us. So make sure you're looking at it for you. And you need to know this. I want you to know this. We don't dwell on past things. Jesus takes care of your yesterdays. We're gonna focus on this day forward. The cross gives you a blank page, amen. Start fresh today. And let me give you this last one here. I'm gonna throw it in today. Normal people can't do this. Normal people can't. 
These are principles godly people have the power to work on. Godly people have the power of God in them to work on these principles. You can't manage this in your own strength, your own ability. You need the power of God inside of you. And as a Christ follower, you have a supernatural ability to go beyond the natural. It's what we need. In fact, when you live or when you love God, you live in God, you have a supernatural capacity. You can go beyond the natural. When you experience the love of God, your ability to love goes to a whole nother level. And you need to filter it, listen to it that way. Not in your humanity or, or what we would say our own limitations. Understand, all things are possible with God, amen? Okay, chapter six, verse one, let's go, here we go, all right. Where has your beloved gone? So now all these friends, their friends are, oh, this wonderful, perfect relationship, and it's just so beautiful and all this, and now they're like, where'd he go? Where'd Superman go? Where'd perfect husband go? Where's he at now? You guys had a little fight, huh? Where's he at? So where's your beloved gone, most beautiful of women? Which way did your beloved turn that we may look for him with you? Listen to her response. My beloved has gone down to his garden to the beds of spices to browse in the gardens and gather the lilies. Now listen, this, this is what this is speaking to. She didn't, she didn't necessarily know. It's like, I don't know. I mean, you know as well as I know. He just kind of ran off. But you know what she knew about her beloved? is that he had a place that in times like this, he would go to and find solace. He would go to and find peace. In fact, when it talks about his garden, it's the place that he would go to to spend time with God. It was a place that he would go to and pray. And so she knew because of the kind of man that he was and because they've made some decisions that in the midst of conflict, in the midst of challenge or things, that he would go. She knew where to find him. Can I tell you, sadly, in our world today, some people know exactly where to find their spouse in the midst of a conflict. Well, I can tell you where he went right now. He's right down at the bar drinking with all his buddies right now. I can tell you, he's right here doing it. Come on, I mean, that's just the world, right? But this is a place that he went to spend time with God so he could download with God and he could process with God. And, and notice that he didn't just start firing off shots right away. He went to spend time with God. Well, can I tell you, boy, men especially, if we would take that right there and learn from that one, that we need a place that we go regularly. She knew he was there because he did that with consistency. So it wasn't just a time that he was, when he, when he gets mad, okay, when he just gets mad, he goes out down to his workshop or whatever, or whatever. It's like, that's where he went regularly, spent time with God. So she knew right away, oh, I know where he's at. It's the place that he goes and meets with God. He just kind of downloads. He gets a little bit of time to uh, kind of process things and spend that time with God. Notice instead of taking it to a whole nother level, he went to calm down somewhere. Instead of yelling at her, oh yeah, well, this is my house too. You need to open this door. Instead of demeaning her, you don't know what you're missing out on and you just, you know, you think you're all that too and don't think like you're any treasure or whatever. And then let's just be, let's just sadly say this, instead of hitting her, getting physical with her, because doing the things a lot of people do when they get into fights, the whole escalation thing, instead of escalating it and taking it to another level, instead he retreats to his garden or to the place of peace and prayer. He responds in a different way. And look at her response. That's what she says in verse three. I am my beloved and my beloved's mine. He browses among the lilies. You know what she's saying? It's like, I know exactly where he is. I know he's mad. I know he's frustrated. Man, he's spending time with God. I love him so much for that. Come on, you get that? I mean, it endears her even more to the man. I mean, she doesn't like hate him and like, you know, arguing and all this stuff. I can stand when he does that and all this kind of stuff. He went to that place to connect with God. And she's like, I love him that he didn't overreact. I love it that he didn't act like every other couple I see. Then they just fly off the handle. My next door neighbors, we got to shut our windows at night when they get in. So we hear everything. I, 
I'm so thankful he doesn't act like other men when it comes to that. I'm thankful he doesn't act like the world acts. And she's saying, I just love him even more. This guy doesn't react like all the other guys. He handles it differently. You know, I just want to say this, guys, and people, just everybody, but guys, I, I'm a, my gift, God's chosen me for whatever reason to, to be a communicator. And so that's words. I'm a, I'm a word guy. I'm a wordy guy. I, that's what I speak. That's what I do. And so, you know, we're all gifted in a way, and, you know, I just want to say this, guys. We never use our gift to hurt. Never. I mean, for me, I mean, if I get in a conflict with my wife, that's my gift. I mean, I, I, can, I can talk, I, I can argue, I can reason, I can logic, and I can, that's, that's my gift. But, but, but I don't use my gift to take things to another level. I don't use my gift to hurt, to tear down, but to build up. I don't use my gift to demean. I don't use my gift to try and win something, if you will. That's, that's not, and just because you're bigger than she is, you don't use your size to intimidate. Just because God created you differently as a man that you don't, you don't come and try and intimidate or force. That's not, that's not what you do there. We don't act like the world acts. We're not those people. We don't act that way. So we don't, we, don't, we don't respond that way. And let me say the other side. Number one, we don't get, over, we don't get overly aggressive. We don't get overly passive either. I'm just shut you down. I'm shutting you out. Cold shoulder, right? Who's cold in here, right? The ice. Shutting you out. Nothing. Not going to talk. Fine. Nothing. Nope. I'm not going to talk about it. Not going to say anything. Listen, that's just as bad. That's just as hurtful. Overly passive, overly aggressive. So what's the right response? What do we do? What do we learn from Solomon? Number one, I will act and not react. Pre-fight decisions. I'm going to act. I'm going to determine ahead of time. I'm going to act, not react. The word react means to reenact what the other person did. That's the pattern of the world. Well, if you do this, then I'm going to do this. Well, if you do this, then I'm going to do this. Well, if you say this, oh yeah, I'm going to say this. And if you yell this, I'm going to yell even louder. I mean, like louder wins, right? I mean, it's like, I can out, I can out shout you. So what? <laughs> I mean, but that's the world. And so we need to act. We need to have a set uh, actions, predetermined actions, instead of reacting, because we react out of emotion. You have to make sure that we understand God's proper way. He was like, you know, and we have a king-size bed, which is great. And sometimes we're like, hey, are you over there? <laughs> king-size bed, you know, we got to be real intentional a lot of times. But when we're mad, it's like, man, I'm glad we got a king-size bed. It's like, don't you, don't you come over on my side. Uh-uh. No. And so we sleep like this, right? Our back, our back to each other, right? It's like back to back. Come on, that's what we do. We sleep back to back. And here's the rule. Like the first, the rule is the first one that talks loses, right? I'm not talking. Did you say anything over there? I didn't say anything. So here's what we do. Just because we want them to know that we're awake still. <sighs> and so she is. <clears throat> Come on, that's what we do. That's the pattern of the world. That doesn't work. That doesn't accomplish anything. And so we, we act and we don't react. We don't, we don't operate that way. It, it reminds me of the story of this couple who was in an argument, this playing the silent treatment game. And so the guy had to get up really early in the morning. He had to get up at five o'clock to catch a flight out of town for business. And, you know, so he was determined, you know, not to miss that, but he wasn't going to talk because he didn't want to lose. And so uh, he wrote her a note and left it on her pillow that I have a flight in the morning. I need to get up at 5 a.m. And he ended up waking up at like nine. So he wakes up at nine. He's angry. And he's looking for, she's not there, and he's looking for her. He's like, man, when I get a hold of her, I'm going to give her what for. And all of a sudden, when he's going to find her, he just happens to look and notice that on his pillow, she had left a note that said, it's 5 a.m., wake up. <laughs> I was like, 
Okay. All right. Hey, people of God, we do it differently. We do it differently. Look at what Jesus said, 1 Peter 2, 23. Here's what Jesus said. When they hurled their insults at him, listen, listen, I hope you get the picture of this because this is, really if you think about this scripture, it's, extreme, it's very powerful. This is Jesus. And Jesus, who we're supposed to be like him, when they hurled their insults at him, even when they spit on him, when they threw stuff at him, when they beat him, when they whipped him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. In other words, he left that all up to God. God, I'm just gonna leave that to you. I'm not gonna act that way. I'm not gonna retaliate. I'm not gonna uh, fire back evil for evil. I'm not gonna take this to another level. I'm not gonna escalate this. If anybody could or anybody should, it was him, but he says, and he's our model, and he's in us, his life is in us. He says, I'm just gonna leave that to God. I'm not gonna be that way. I'm not gonna act that way. Hey, people of God, we act differently. Romans 12, 21 says this, do not overcome, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Don't repay evil with evil. Overcome evil by responding in a godly way. We need to learn to respond in a godly way. So what's the proper response? Love and respect. In the midst of your conflict, man, she needs to know that you still love her. You can be angry, but she needs to know that you still love her. And ladies, you need to somehow, some way, find some respect to show him because those are love languages. She needs to know you still love her. He needs to know that you still respect him. Love is an unconditional commitment to an imperfect person. Okay, listen, uh, chapter six, verse four. Let's keep going on the story. Here we go. So you are beautiful as Tizra, my darling, as lovely as Jerusalem. It's him responding, as lovely as Jerusalem, as majestic as troops with banners. Look, he's saying, look what he said. He's telling her that he loves her. In the midst of their conflict, he left frustrated. She knows where he went, and he's telling her all these things of how much he loves her. In fact, the next few scriptures, verses five through eight, are word for word what he said to her on honeymoon night. What, in the midst of a fight? Are you kidding me? He's talking like he talked on honeymoon night? Are you serious? Absolutely. He was that intimate, he was that personal, he was that loving, his response in the midst of that. And then it goes to verse nine. Pick it up in verse nine, says this. Here's what he says. But you, my dove, my perfect one. Now, she's not perfect. We all know that no one's perfect. But remember, he made her the standard for all women. She's the standard for all women. In his eyes, she's it. My dove, my perfect one, is unique. You know what he means right there is unique? We're not the same. We're not alike. There's, in fact, there's not another person like you. And, and, and it's important to note that men and women are different, not just obvious reasons or for obvious things. They, they're different. God created us differently. He created us uniquely. Unique. You're unique. You're not like me. You have a different set of needs. You have a different personality. You are completely different. You're wired different. You think different. My wife and I are complete opposites. When I'm hot in the middle of the night, she's cold. In fact, if you look at our bed, I'm covered with a little thin sheet. She has a stack of quilts and blankets. Like, like we live in Alaska. I don't know. It's just different how she does. And man, if I get a little cold and try and get one, forget it. It's like, I can't pull it over there. We're different. When I want to discipline the kids, she wants grace. When she wants to give grace, I want to discipline. When I want to save, she wants to spend. When she wants to spend, I want to save. When I want to eat here, she wants to eat there. I remember at Joe McGee, he comes and he does a great teaching on marriage and things. And so we always have time with Joe. And I'm like, Joe, oh, I'm so frustrated. I remember I told him most time, I said, Joe, I said, she's just opposite. She's the exact opposite of me. I can't stand it. And he's just laughing like, why are you laughing? You should fix her. And he laughs and looks at me, you guys are perfect together. I'm like, what are you talking about? We're complete opposites. He goes, exactly. 
She has what you don't have and you have what she doesn't have. How smart is God? That we're unique for a reason and we need each other. We complement each other. We need to learn to celebrate the uniqueness of our spouse. It's a strength, not a weakness. It's a blessing, not a burden. And that's what he's saying. He's saying, you're unique. You're different than me. And I'm so thankful. He celebrates that. He celebrates her uniqueness. But sadly, a lot of us, it just irritates it, irritates us. But we need the uniqueness of our spouse to compliment us in every way. We need things to be seen from a different lens sometime. My wife's super organized. I'm not. I like the headlines. She likes the details. Who'd you talk to at church today? Spencer? Well, what do you have to say? Well, I don't know. Hi. No, well, Janae's fixing to have a baby. I mean, how far? I don't know. I don't know, I don't remember if we even talked about that. I, I don't know. Well, why didn't you find out? Well, I don't know. You go ask him. <laughs> no, I was kidding. <laughs> we're that way, we're different, and we're money. I mean, she's a great money manager. She is so frugal, makes a dollar go further than anybody I know. I don't, she doesn't ever give me cash. I don't have cash. She won't let me have cash. Just can't, it's, I spend it. And then all of a sudden, she lets me go buy something, and she wants a receipt. Where's it? Look what I got, honey, where's the receipt? Receipt? They didn't give me a receipt. <laughs> then you need to go get it. What are you talking about? You need to go get it. But anyways, all right. Is anybody else like this? Is this just yes men I need counseling? Are we the only ones? I don't, I don't know. Okay. All right. Man, you're making me feel, okay. All right. The point is, we all have decisions to make every single day. I can either hate the fact that she's not like me, or I can thank God that she's not like me. <laughs> thank God that she's different. If there were two, two of me in our house, God help our kids. I'm just saying. If there were two of you, God knew exactly what he was doing by bringing me everything that I'm not. And Solomon's celebrating that she's different than him, the uniqueness. And let's go on. Uh, finish, can we finish out that? Let's finish that out. Talks about you're unique. Let's go back to that last scripture if you don't mind. I just want to finish that one out. So. My dove, my perfect one, is unique. The only daughter of her mother, the favorite one of the one who bore her. And, and he's just celebrating the uniqueness of her. And I love that. He's keeping that in the forefront of his mind. And here's the point in this one. Pre-fight determination, plan number two. Focus on the good, not the bad. Focus on the good, not the bad. He's focusing on the good of her, not the bad. Make sure that we know that out of all the things that we might be frustrated in, there's so much more good. Of the one or two or three bad things maybe you're focusing on at the moment, Thank God and remind yourself of all the good. In fact, I think one thing we need to do better, more of, and I've, I've been encouraged to do this, is when you get in that point of conflict before you start really losing it, talk to each other and tell each other what you really love about them. Start there and see how long that conflict lasts. Because when it, we're in a fight, we haven't made some of these pre-fight determinations or plans or decisions, all we can do is focus on the bad. We need to make a choice. that We, we know that we can't change that individual but we need to choose to appreciate the fact that they're not like us. Philippians 4.8 says this. Let's go. Here we go. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent, excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Think about such things. Don't focus on the bad. Think on the good. All right. Chapter 6, verse 11. Let's keep going. Got to keep going. Okay, here we go. I went down to the grove of nut trees to look at the new growth in the valley to see if the vines had budded or the pomegranates were in bloom. Basically what he's saying right here is you can see the changing of a season. Hey, we were in this conflict 
And it wasn't a great place. We definitely didn't like it, but we were in this conflict. But now he's saying here, now we're coming out of this. You can see things are starting to bloom. It's a change of season. Or in other words, we were in this winter season, but now because of how we've handled it, because of how we've managed it in a godly way, a godly way we're coming out of that season because we've managed it right. This means the season has passed. A, win- a winter has passed. They endured the conflict. They got past it. They had to work hard to act instead of react. They had to work hard to focus on the good and not the bad. They made godly decisions, so they survived it, and now they survived winter and looking at a new season. Verse 12, before I realized it, my desire set me among the royal chariots of my people. This is a picture of reconciliation, where now he's invited her again to ride in his chariot and letting everybody know she's at my side. I mean, we were in a winter season, but you know what? We've handled it in a godly way, and we're here together. We're still here. We're still going. It's a new season for us. In fact, it really speaks that we're better. We came out of this better than what we entered it to, and we'll see that in just a moment. It says he made up his mind. He was going to keep his focus, and no matter what, they walked through that season, that dark season, but now she's by his side. He put her in his chariot, which was a sign of reconciliation. We are together. Goes on to say this, verse 13. Come back, come back, O Shulamite. Come back, come back, that we may gaze on you. The word Shulamite right there is the word that Solomon gave her, the name Solomon gave her, and it's the feminine form of his name. Shulamite is the feminine form of the name Solomon. And so, so he... He renames her and gives her his name in the feminine form. We are closer together. We're closer together than we've ever been. I'm going to give you my name but in a feminine form. Why? Because this just brought us closer together. It didn't divide us. Basically, it's a symbol of the relationship on another level. We endured conflict in a godly way, and it didn't drive us apart like it does with the world. It brought us closer together. We're at a whole other level now. And notice they didn't focus on winning the fight. Notice they didn't focus on winning the fight. When you're in a conflict and you try and win, you lose the relationship. You may have won the conflict, but you may just have lost your relationship. My dad always said this. I learned this growing up. My dad said, it doesn't matter who's right and wrong. It's about the relationship. And he was great at it. He would come up with, something would happen and I'd be upset with him. He'd come and apologize. I'm like, why are you apologizing? You didn't do anything. He goes, well, I'm not concerned who's right or wrong, whether I did or didn't. Let's work on our relationship. Let's not let anything divide us. It wasn't about winning. If you're out to win and you may win because you can outspeak or you're more intimidating physically or you can talk more or whatever that looks like, do you really win? It's not about winning and losing. It's about resolution. The focus is on resolution, not personal victory. The goal isn't to be right, it's to be restored. It goes on to say this, finishing out the verse. It says, why would you gaze on the Shulamite as on the dance of Mahanaim? And basically, that dance of Mahanam is they're throwing a party. They're just basically saying, after all this has happened, we've watched you navigate this conflict. And remember, at first, they were like, yeah, where is he at now? And now they're celebrating how they managed it. You did it in such a, well done. Good job. Nobody does that. Can you tell you how many people that has split them up? Can I tell you how many people that's driven them apart? But not you guys. What's different? You didn't handle it like the world handles it. Like everybody else said, you handled it differently. What did you do? And they made some pre-fight decisions that they were going to walk it out in a godly way. And the result was that those around about them are throwing a party for them. Well done. Oh my goodness. That was awesome to watch. I'm going to learn from that one. That's what they were. They were so impressed. Listen, you're going to face conflict and conflict is difficult. It is. And coming in here and and hearing a message is not going to necessarily unpack all the problems. It's not going to solve everything overnight. It's work. 
But let me say this, start somewhere. Start somewhere, start today. What I'm asking is that you open up to the power of God in your life. I mean, the, the songs that we sang today are so inspiring and faith building and encouraging. Open up the power of God in your life because you can't do this alone. This is impossible alone. But let Jesus transform you into his likeness. It's no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me, amen? Before the fight ever happens, make some decisions that you'll handle it God's way. Don't escalate the conflict. Go to your garden, go to that place that you can process with God and you can calm down or cool down. Let the spirit of God settle you down a bit. Act, don't react. Don't retaliate, don't repay evil for evil. Focus on the millions of good things that that person has instead of the one or two things that upsets you. Focus on the good and not the bad. Decide that it doesn't matter how long that winter season lasts, you're in it for the long haul. And that brings my last point, I will talk, not walk. I will talk, not walk. And so having said that right there, I, I already know. I knew, I knew going into this, I, I, knew, I knew that that was going to hit some people hard. And, and let, let me say this, that Jesus makes all things new. And, and I know there's many of you that are sitting out here and saying, well, I've been hurt in a relationship. I've been abused in a relationship. I've been broken in a relationship, coming from divorce backgrounds and things of that sort. And I, and I totally know that that pain is real. But I also know, so is God's ability to restore. So is God's ability to renew. And I just wanna encourage you, Jesus, because of the work of the cross, can make all things new. You can start fresh today. Let Jesus take care of your yesterdays. And start fresh today from this day forward. Remember, Jesus takes care of yesterday and you can start fresh. I'm not even talking about in this series this message about your yesterday. I'm talking about your future from this day forward. Here's the best thing that we can do, Ephesians 4, 26 through 27. Best piece of advice right here, in your anger, because you'll be angry and that's okay. But in your anger, don't let your emotions go crazy. Don't let them get the best of you. Do not sin. Choices lead, feelings follow. With your pre-fight decisions and in your anger, start operating that way instead of letting your emotions rule and leading into sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Because if you do, you give the devil a foothold. Hey, all of us have gone to bed angry, but don't fall asleep that way. Something I need to work on. Because if you allow that to have life, you've opened the door to a whole lot of the stuff the devil's gonna bring your way. We're not gonna let the devil in here. If you don't work on some of these pre-fight decisions and start looking, working on ways to resolve it, then we leave the door open when we don't follow some of these principles in the scripture. But I know what you're saying, Don, what are you saying? What you're saying is impossible. And you're probably right. How can I even do all this? First John 4, 8 says this. Whoever does not love does not know God. So that means whoever does not love does not know God. That means the more we know God, the more we can love. The more we press into him, the more we can love. I don't know if I have that capacity to love. You don't in and of yourself, but when you press into him, you take him on. And he increases your capacity to love. Goes on to say, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. You can't help but love when you know him and know him better. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. He's in you. Lean on that. Depend on that. This is love. Not that we love God, but he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. When we were a jerk, when we were mean, when we were unlovely, when we were rude, when we used our words to demean, when we got physical, he loved us anyways. 
And we gave him the cold shoulder at night. He loved us anyways. He didn't turn from us. Dear friends, since God loved us because of his great love, we also ought to love one another. Or the proper way to translate this, ought to, does not necessarily mean that we should be able to. It means we can. We can. We have the ability. We also have the ability to love one another because of the love of God. He loved us when we were unlovable, and because of that, we can love one another. Because he did, I can. Because of his love in me, I can express it to you. Because I've received his love, I can give his love. But it all starts by experiencing the love of God for yourself. And when you experience his love, it gives you the capacity to love. So I want to encourage you today, wherever you're at in the walk with the Lord, maybe today would be your beginning point. Receive more of the love of God. Receive more of the love of God today. My heart, my hope in this message today as part of walking out this story was to give us an understanding of how to manage conflict because conflict's a part of every relationship and there is a godly way and we're striving to be godly people. We're not perfect people. We're striving to be godly people and the word is true and if you'll handle it God's way, you'll find godly results. Let your past be the past. Let's move from this day forward. It's not living the yesterdays. Jesus took those so you didn't have to do that anymore. Let's look forward to our tomorrows and make better decisions today than we did in our yesterdays. God is a faithful God. Let's pray. Lord, I just pray right now, right now, for everyone that has been hurt or broken in a relationship. I pray right now, Father God, that these words didn't bring greater pain, didn't bring guilt. Father God, I pray that they brought hope. They brought peace. They brought restoration. They brought reconciliation. I pray, Father God, that they bring them healing. And you're the only one, Lord, that has a unique way to heal a broken heart. We trust you, Father God. And I pray that may this be their beginning of their future, that it starts today fresh. Wipe the slate clean. Whatever it is, Father God, they release that to you, Lord. And they make better decisions from this day forward. And Father, I pray. Lord, that you come and do as the comforter can, as the healer can, only what you can do. May they depend and lean on you. May we know you more. May we open up to more of your great love. Therefore, we will be one who gives more love. I thank you for it, Father. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.